Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. It's easy to just decide you'll record some vocals one day. But that in itself can feel like a big deal if you don't break it down a bit. This can then lead to procrastinating because you find all these other small but less important tasks like folding the laundry that feel really appealing in comparison. So making a to-do list gives you smaller, doable steps that you can tick off as you go along. This will also mean you become more aware of what you already know, where there might be some gaps in your knowledge and just have more clarity over what you're doing. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Well, Happy New Year, Knob Twiddlers, and welcome to 2023. Are you ready to make some new music this year? poised to make your musical mark on the world. Or maybe you're in a more reflective space, which is, of course, just as important. Wherever you're at, I'm cheering you on here at Girls Twiddling Knobs HQ, and I'm very excited about all the cool opportunities and resources I'll be sharing with you this year. Because let me tell you, I've been cooking up some epic recording and production experiences for you, Knob Twiddlers. But right now, I have a really cool episode for you if you want to make 2023 the year you finally have amazing recordings of your music. Because today, I'm walking you through five strategies to home record your music like a pro. I wanted to make this episode because sometimes musicians worry that if they record their music from home, it'll automatically sound amateur in comparison to paying for commercial studio time. And while I deeply value recording studios and the amazing resources and skill sets that they offer, I will live and die by the belief that home recording doesn't have to equal worse and that you, yes, you, dear listener, can make amazing sounding recordings of your music yourself with just a little insider know-how. So inside this episode, I'm pulling back the curtain and giving you exactly that. 
five key strategies that I've honed from years of recording and producing music and helping thousands of other women do the same. And just a heads up, you may want to bookmark this episode because it's just that good. Trust me, if 2023 is the year you want to finally record your music but you don't want to break the bank or compromise on quality, this episode is for you. Okay, let's get started. So strategy number one is first and foremost, record good quality audio. Trust me on this one. If you're recording any kind of instrument at home, including your voice, especially your voice, it's key that you capture it in the best quality you can. This is because if your original raw recordings are quiet, sound like they've been recorded in a bedroom, or have a weird hiss on them, for example, this immediately makes them sound amateur. Most people will throw a bunch of plugins at these problems, like noise reduction and more, but this just papers over the cracks because while you might be able to take out something you don't like, you're inevitably stripping away parts of the audio's vital character in the process. People often also think that the answer is having more expensive microphones, but it actually isn't, because upgrading your recording gear is a secondary step if and when you can afford it. The very first step for getting really good quality raw recordings is to make sure you've dialed in your acoustics of your home recording space. This will mean you won't have interfering reflections being picked up in your original raw recordings that you then have to either try and edit out or saturate with reverb to disguise. You also want to make sure your input level is strong enough by turning up the gain on your audio interface if you're using one, or your computer's internal sound settings if you have a USB mic. This will mean you're less likely to need to boost the gain later down the line, and that you'll instead have a stronger, cleaner signal from the off. And of course, you don't want to be going into the red, so you don't want your audio peaking, so don't turn your audio up so that it's peaking on your interface, but turn it up enough that you have a nice, strong signal. There's a reason why I put this as the first step, knob twiddlers. It really is that foundational. Make sure your raw recordings are a decent quality from the off and you'll be on your way to better sounding home recordings. Okay, so home recording strategy number two, have a project map. If you think about it, recording your music is like any other medium to large scale project. There's a beginning, middle and an end, and you might have to juggle a few different tasks and roles. So just like any other project, it can help to have some kind of map to carry you through. The reasoning behind this is that while many musicians may start home recording simply to get their ideas down, many will find that before they know it, a track is starting to build and you get the recording and production bug. But if you keep muddling through aimlessly recording bits and bobs, it can easily start to feel overwhelming, confusing and just a bit of a mess. That's a very easy place to then decide to just give up because it's all got too much. Having a recording map, though, can help you have clarity on where you're heading so you can get to the finish line. What a recording map might look like will depend on how you like to work, but I'm going to give you a couple of examples right now. So the first example is for anyone who really likes to get out of their computer and into a physical space. If that's you... All you'll need for this mapping technique is a stack of post-it notes, a nice chunky marker, pen and a blank wall. Now write down the name of each song that you want to record for your new project on its own post-it note. This might be just one or two songs if you're only working on a single or remix, four to seven songs if you're working on an EP, 
and eight plus songs if you're working on an album. Now stick these towards the top of your blank wall so they're all in a row. If you'd rather, you could also arrange them lengthways in a column so it looks more like a traditional track list. It's up to you. Next, add the instruments you're going to record for each track on separate post-it notes and stick these either underneath or beside each song in your project list. This may mean writing the same instrument on multiple post-its if they appear in multiple tracks. Lastly, add a post-it either underneath or beside these instruments with the words mixed and mastered and draw a tick box beside each. Now you can clearly see the scope of your project on the wall in front of you, but you can also remove the instrument post-its once you've recorded their parts for each track and know how far you are on with the process. And you can tick off where your tracks are mixed and mastered towards the end of the process and keep on track with these final stages. Now the next recording project mapping technique is digital and just requires either an Excel spreadsheet, Google Sheet or even a Word doc. Anything you can build out a table in basically. Of course, if you like the sound of the last technique but don't want to use post-its, you could just plug it straight into a digital table. But I also wanted to offer a different mapping system for you. This time we're using the recording process as the foundations, not your track listing, and it goes something like this. Create a table with the following five headed rows. Recording, production, effects, mixing, mastering. Now you might be thinking, but aren't effects part of the production and or mixing process? And yes, they arguably are. But for the purposes of breaking things down, we're treating effects as their own thing. And arguably, the production process really happens across everything up until the later stages of mixing already. Of mixing, really. So create a table with the following five headed rows. Recording, production, effects, mixing and mastering. And once you have these headings down the side of your table, you already have a handy timeline or project process visualised for you. Next, in the columns, add the track names that you're going to be recording. So you'll have the recording process down the side as headings in rows, and then along the top in the columns as headings, you'll have your track listing. Now you can get a little more granular in the boxes inside this table. For example, for each track's recording box, you might add the individual instruments like I described in the post-it technique. You could then tick off or cross out each instrument as and when you can record them under the relevant track columns. But you can also add the production elements you might want to add for each track in the production box. And as we've separated out effects, I'm thinking of anything like a beat, a field recording or any other MIDI parts, samples or loops. You may not be using these types of textures in your music, but if you are, this is where you can tick them off in your project map. Next, in the effects box for each track, you can list the effects you're planning on using. Perhaps they're all the same, but some tracks may have some variations. Depending on the sound, there may even be a lot of variation. This is where you can get your ideas down and keep track of your progress. Now in the mixing boxes, there's a few different ways you could break this down, depending on if you're mixing your tracks or outsourcing it. If you're mixing them yourself, maybe you have subheadings of volume, panning, frequency and instrumentation, so you can check them off when you've dialed each of these considerations in. You might also have another subheading titled Final Mix, which you can tick off once you have a, well, final mix. But if you're not mixing your tracks yourself, perhaps you just have subheadings like First Mix, Revised Mix and Final Mix, so you can keep track of where each track has gotten to with the mixing engineer you're working with.
And similarly, with the final mastering box for each track, you could simply break this down into first master and final master subheadings and tick these off as you go, or break it down into more granular subheadings if you're planning on mastering your own tracks. You can for sure use the second type of mapping technique with post-its, but as it's a little bit more extensive, you might find it gets a bit crowded on your wall. You can also plug either of these techniques into a project management tool like Trello or Asana, and I also highly recommend you explore adding in anything else that you might need or coming up with your own way of organising your recording project if the ones I've shared don't feel right for you. The most important thing is that you have some kind of overview of the process, including what you need to do next, so you can stay on track and not feel overwhelmed. And ticking things off just always feels good, right? On a similar theme, home recording strategy number three is about making a plan, but on a more micro level, because this one is about making a to-do list when you record. Again, it's easy to just decide you'll record some vocals one day, but that in itself can feel like a big deal if you don't break it down a bit. This can then lead to procrastinating because you find all these other small but less important tasks, like folding the laundry, that feel really appealing in comparison. So making a to-do list gives you smaller, doable steps that you can tick off as you go along. This will also mean you become more aware of what you already know, where there might be some gaps in your knowledge and just have more clarity over what you're doing. So let's say you want to record some lead vocals for a new track one day. Your to-do list might read something like this. Number one, set up microphone and sound treatment if not permanently installed. Number two, Label vocal mic take channels inside recording project. Number three, check mic connection and levels. Number four, do vocal warm up. Number five, record two practice takes. Number six, record three proper takes. Number seven, review takes. Number eight, record drop ins for anything that wasn't captured well enough first time round. And number nine, save. Now, can you see how much more manageable that makes this feel? You're no longer muddling through this process, you're intentionally breaking it down. Ticking these steps off as you go will also feel so satisfying, but I also just want to highlight the strategy behind some of those tasks. So did you notice how I listed setting up your gear and checking your levels before you do a vocal warm-up? It's to make sure you don't use your warm-up to procrastinate instead of getting your gear set up. I am really guilty of putting off the most simple action of plugging in an XLR cable. I don't know why. It's just some mental block there for me. It also means that if you're all warmed up and ready to go, you can just hit record rather than having to set up your gear. And did you notice how in my list I've stated that you're going to record your practice takes? That's just in case they happen to be better than your proper ones, which happens very, very often, by the way. And did you notice I've only allowed you three proper vocal takes? That's because otherwise it's easy to get stuck doing loads of vocal takes, lose all sense of perspective and start pulling your hair out. Instead, after three, you're going to listen back, 
Review where there's only sections that weren't nailed and then finish by recording these phrases as drop-ins. From here, you might just close it all down for the day or you might start comping your vocal so you have an edit that's combining all the best sections from your different takes. And then, of course, we need to save our work. I mean, I would be saving after every take, but you definitely want to make sure you've saved your project at the end of the process too. Seriously, having a to-do list like this when you start another recording and production session will make your process feel more doable and your recordings will, in turn, sound more professional too. And just coming back to saving for a second, home recording strategy number four is to save your presets. Now, if you're wondering what presets are, these are the configuration of settings for things like effects and virtual instruments inside your recording software. You can save them as presets so that no matter what channel you're working on or even recording project you've opened up, you can apply your effects and instruments in exactly the same way each time and have more consistency and speed too. So an example of this might be when you're using a reverb plugin on your lead vocal. Maybe you load up a preset that is already available inside your recording software, which is simply called female vocal. And perhaps you twiddle around with the different settings inside, like the amount of decay or early reflections, for example. If you now save this as a new preset, you'll be able to use it again and again without having to spend time fiddling around with the settings each time to recreate the same sound. When you save a preset, you can give it any name you like, and when you load it up on your effects plugin, your recording software will just automatically recall the settings. If you're not sure on how to save presets inside your software, I recommend typing into Google something along the lines of saving effects presets inside, and then write the name of your software, so GarageBand, for example. You'll see a bunch of videos pop up that will walk you through the process and all the software's own help articles with a step-by-step. -step. And so that brings us to my final home recording strategy, and that is to organise your session. I know that organisation has played a pretty prominent part in this list, but hopefully this shows just how important this is for getting consistently good quality home recordings. And to be honest, this applies to commercial studios as well. So just like your project map or your to-do list, actually organising your recording session will really help you professionalise your home recordings. What this looks like is making sure you've got all your settings configured properly in your audio preferences, naming your recording channels and even grouping your channels if that's appropriate. It could also mean colour coding your channels if that suits your working style and making sure you're in the right key and tempo if you're using MIDI and samples. I go into this process in more detail inside of my online program, Home Recording Academy, and there isn't really enough time to go through all of this in so much detail here. But hopefully this just gives you an overview of the things you might need to be dialing in inside your software to keep your session organised and professional. The reason this translates into the quality of your overall home recordings is not only because you'll be less stressed knowing what's going on inside your session, but you'll also be able to see where you could apply effects across multiple tracks, for example, or where you're getting volume or frequency overloads in your mix. So there we have it. Five strategies to home record your music like a pro. And let's just quickly recap over what we covered. 
So number one, first and foremost, record good quality audio because it's always easier to prep for a great recording than clean up a bad one. And if you need some help with dialing in your acoustics, make sure you download my free three-step guide at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. It's free and easy to use. Number two, have a project map. Whether it's using post-its, an Excel table or something else, just have a way of visualising your recording project and tracking your process so overwhelm doesn't trick you into throwing in the towel. Number three, make a to-do list. Don't just aimlessly start recording only for the dreaded procrastinator to take over the show. Break it down so you can tick off each step as you go. Number four, save presets. Have consistency across your tracks by saving the settings on your effects and speed up your workflow in the process. And lastly, number five, organise your session. So finally, spend a few minutes just getting your recording session organised so you know what's going on and it doesn't all turn into one big mess. If you like these strategies and you want to learn even more and save yourself some time in the process, I also recommend downloading my free six music production hacks that will save you time checklist. You'll find this at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. And when it comes to any or all of these five home recording strategies I've shared today, if you spend a little time putting them into practice, you will seriously level up your skills and your confidence. I know how tempting it is to just jump in and go for it. I mean, making music's creative, right? And I totally agree, it really is. But if you just practice getting a little more organised with your recording and production process, it will become second nature and before you know it, you'll just be doing this stuff in your sleep and reaping the rewards in the quality of your work. No matter your skill level, no matter the price of your software, you can use all five of these strategies. So don't hold back. Use one, some or all of them to set some New Year's recording resolutions and enjoy the feeling of bossing it with your self-produced music. Now, in next week's episode, I'm joined by another excellent guest, the Australian-based musician and producer, Volta Him, who'll be sharing how she created her amazing debut album, Incognito Mode. I actually came across Volta because she emailed me to share that it was through attending one of my five-day challenges that she had the tools and confidence to put this album out. And it is genuinely one of my favourite musical discoveries from the last year. So tune in to hear all about it next week. But till then, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.